ಶ್ರವಣಂ ಮನನಂ ನಿಧ್ಯಾಸನಂ ಲಿಸನ್ ರಿಫ್ಲೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಬ್ಸಾರ್ಬ್ ಡಿಯರ್ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ಸಾಯಿರಾಮ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಟು ಅವರ್ ರೇಡಿಯೋ ಸೀರೀಸ್ ಇನ್ ವಿಚ್ ಎ ಡಿವೈನ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕೋರ್ಸ್ ಬೈ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಇಸ್ ಪ್ಲೇಡ್ ಇನ್ ಸ್ಮಾಲ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಫಾಲೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಈಚ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಎ ಶಾರ್ಟ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಂಡರ್ಟೇಕನ್ ಟು ರಿಫ್ಲೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆನ್ ದ ಮೆಸೇಜ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಎ ಸೆಗ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ರೇಡಿಯೋ ಸಾಯಿಸ್ ಫಿಲ್ಸ್ ಡೇ ಲೈವ್ ಹೋಸ್ಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ಸಾಯಿ ಪ್ರಕಾಶ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಪ್ರೇಮ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಥರ್ಸ್ಡೇ ಎಟ್ ಸೆವೆನ್ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಪಿ ಎಮ್ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಆನ್ ಏಷ್ಯಾ ಸ್ಟ್ರೀಮ್ ಆಫ್ ರೇಡಿಯೋ ಸಾಯಿ ಗ್ಲೋಬಲ್ ಹಾರ್ಮನಿ ಇನ್ ಟುಡೇಸ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಾಸ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಬ್ರಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಲೈವ್ ಆನ್ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಫಿಫ್ತ್ ಫೆಬ್ರವರಿ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ಟೀನ್ ರೇಡಿಯೋ ಸಾಯಿಸ್ ಕರುಣ ಮುಂಚಿ ಪಾರ್ಟಿಸಿಪೇಟೆಡ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಎ ಗೆಸ್ಟ್ ದ ಡಿಸ್ಕೋರ್ಸಸ್ ಅಂಡರ್ಟೇಕನ್ ಫಾರ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮ್ ಆರ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಸೀರೀಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕೋರ್ಸಸ್ ಡೆಲಿವರ್ಡ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಸಮರ್ ಕೋರ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಇಂಡಿಯನ್ ಕಲ್ಚರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಸ್ಪಿರಿಚುವಾಲಿಟಿ ನೈನ್ಟೀನ್ ನೈಂಟಿ ಒನ್ offering our humble pranams to bhagwan's lotus feet dear listeners we welcome you to this week's episode of shravanam mananam nidhyasanam those of you who have been following us will know that we are going through the 1991 summer course series the last time around we went through the 1990 summer course series we completed one entire discourse and last week we began with the second discourse we heard two clips in that discourse about 15 minutes into that discourse that's when we concluded last week's episode very very interesting episode those of you who were with us last week would agree and i'm just waiting to get into the discourse because it's only going to get even more interesting but before we begin as always sai prakash is with me and as we have sometimes we also have a guest but today's guest is no guest to the listeners of radio sai we have our own karuna munshi who's going to join us today so Definitely this is going to be a very interesting session. Sairam Didi and welcome to Shravanam Mananam Nididhyasanam. Sairam and thank you for having me. And I'm not going to quiz you to name the program. Thank you. I feel much relieved. <laughs> One of the persons who often came and told us why did you choose such a long name and you know how do you pronounce it? And uh, the last time around when when the name we thought we chose revealed itself how it got named. I think it was so beautiful for all of us. I think it was the last discourse, right? It was the last line of the last discourse. And um, it was so dramatic because I think about a year and a half had passed from the time we had started mm-hmm. the Shavanam Mananam series, the first series. And we had no idea because the printout that we have doesn't often reflect all the words that Swami says. But um, the last line of the last discourse, Swami says... ಇದೇ ಶ್ರವಣಂ ಮನಣಂ ನಿಧಿಧ್ಯಾಸನ ಪರ್ಫೆಕ್ಟ್ ಸೀಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಅಪ್ರೂವಲ್ ಐ ಮೀನ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಡಿಸೈಡೆಡ್ ದ ನೇಮ್ ಮೇ ಬಿ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ಅಗೋ ವೆನ್ ಯು ಗೇವ್ ದ ಡಿಸ್ಕೋರ್ಸಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಸೆವೆನ್ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ಅಗೋ ವೆನ್ ಐ ವಾಸ್ ಬಾರ್ನ್ ಪಾಸಿಬಲಿ ಇಟ್ ಫೀಲ್ ಮೇಕ್ಸ್ ಯು ಫೀಲ್ ಸೊ ವಂಡರ್ಫುಲ್ ದಿಸ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ವೆನ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಥ್ರೂ ದ ರಾಮಾಯಣ ವಿ ವರ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಥ್ರೂ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ವೇರ್ ದ ಗೋಲ್ಡನ್ ಅ ಹಿಲ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಪ್ರೂಟೆಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಯು ನೋ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ಸ್ ಕ್ರೈಯಿಂಗ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ರಾಮಾ ಸೀಸ್ ಡೋಂಟ್ ವರಿ ಇನ್ ದ ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಬರ್ತ್ ವೆನ್ ಐ ಕಮ್ no when you go through the story in uh, dwapar yuga krishna story you know it's, it's so dramatic mm-hmm. the villagers refuse to offer prayers and indra gets angry and his ego needs to be corrected so much for indra's ego that it was all preplanned one full yuga before yes <laughs> even his ego was preplanned right? even obviously. his ego and his arrogance and how he had to be corrected and everything and 
if that is the amount of detail planning god does i mean one program and which spanned about 2 years i think is nothing is nothing in front and, of that and it tells you that you know in the drama everybody's role is so well scripted we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously absolutely <laughs> that's right <laughs> right and in fact uh, even as we're going through this discourse uh, one of the things which sami mentioned last week was about to, when you go through life especially looking out for moments and trying to connect and trying to understand one of the obvious things which should come out of that is humility it's when it strikes you that you know it's so much of it is uh, so much larger than me you know yes. i am such a small person in this entire scheme of thing and in fact that's one of the things we'll as we summarize we'll come to that as we said last week this discourse did appear a little different because the way swami approached it there was so much of uh, what do we say there was a certain amount of depth in the time which swami took to convey whatever he had to convey in those first 15 minutes looking at it more scientifically there was more gravity in each word i would say yeah, <laughs> each <gravitas>. word <laughs> there was a lot of uh, you know deliberate uh, pause and uh, there, there was a, a sense of um, brevity which we really didn't see in other and i only started reading this discourse since yesterday since you invited me to join you and i found that it is a very well planned lesson plan a That's perfect right. teacher could have done this because swami has given an abstract of an entire thesis and in his infinite wisdom i found uh, it intersects the story of human evolution from various perspectives such as anthropology philosophy and human geography right. because he maps the progression and evolution of human thought very carefully and it's a very profound topic but swami made it so simple in bite size portions that he served to his students so that we could understand it and he clearly recognized that uh, man in his early stages he was in awe of the mysteries of nature and elements and that's why he realized how small he was as you mentioned in the greater scheme of things this huge dose of wonderment and awe forced us to recognize i believe the unrecognizable and while trying to study the enormity of the cosmos or the mysteries that lie h- hidden within it it forced humanity to acknowledge the incognito presence of a mysterious force or a principle and swami made it so clear that this is the principle of singularity that one that one that became many the one that looks like many and i guess human beings we just struggle to define everything whether it is um, a relationship with anything or the phenomena around it so swami taught us how we evolved by trying to understand it in terms of nature through numbers or through names so this compulsion we have to define every relationship in our life this higher principle is it bigger than me is it the sun is it the number is it the gayatri mantra so i would say the whole perspective i found it to be strikingly spiritual because as they say you know spirituality is about defining your relationship with god religion is more about crowd control hmm. this is definitely very spiritual i was wowed by this uh, discourse that you shared with me one of the striking things which occurred to this is just like how the primitive man would, would have gone around you know the first thing which swami says in that uh, opening remarks is he says that the world is the basis of everything yes right because the first thing when you look around you try to understand everything from the world around you don't look beyond it you say that everything happens within it so everything which i want to know is within this 
and one thing which amir often says that comparison between animal and man what is different if you want to define the life of an animal i think it's all about answering the question how you know how do i get food okay how do i get the partner mm-hmm. how do i protect myself mm. and uh, many times when you see man also does the same thing but man has this extra intelligence which he has used to redefine that question of how you know and that's what chami says in the later part where he says first man looks around nature and he says okay i need the sun there are some activities i can do in the day some activities that have to be done only in the night that understanding sets in and then this idea of fire and wind and all of that comes after that the stage comes where he can manipulate the elements to a limited amount you know yes. okay there is fire i can create fire i can control fire Yes. But at the same time there are some aspects of fire which I cannot understand like what, what Swami said the beautiful point of you know all the while the fire is within the the dry twigs, twigs yeah. but the dry dry twigs don't get burnt up. Correct. So Swami is saying that you know here is an element first I didn't understand it now I understand it I can manipulate it but still I don't understand it completely because it's you know there is no way I can understand it completely. And it's so mind boggling that it leaves a big question mark about what's going on around me and who's responsible right i think that was a very beautiful point that swami said about childbirth when as a elder you look at the child you see the first thing the child needs or craves for is something to satiate the hunger for yes so it's almost swami says that's the first problem you encounter you know mm. the way swami put it he said the first problem a human life encounters is hunger so swami says that is the lowest you know that that <laughs> is the uh, most basic but if if we're going to live our entire life only to sort out that problem then there's something so much more is left out <laughs> that's right after that um, he very beautifully took it to how man started observing nature and you know once his basic necessities are met with i suppose right. you start looking at nature you start trying to understand what nature means and trying to see uh, how nature sustains you and uh, this beautiful um, topic of how the sun was looked at as uh, a form of divinity itself even now i think there are so many uh, traditions where we worship the sun there are festivals associated with worship of the sun looking at it from a scientist's point of view possibly they would say this is just one sun amongst millions <laughs> of other suns in the cosmos and in creation but what matters really is it is this sun that is sustaining us mm-hmm. so what's wrong with looking at a god in this sun after all uh, this is the conflict that possibly scientists have with our ancient thought they always look at it as a law of nature these are forces of nature and this is natural but who gave them those qualities i mean why should there be a big bang why should the universe expand why should there be condensation why should these things happen and why should there be photosynthesis so that we can make food and i think the early man was quite intelligent to recognize it because not only in the indian culture but also in other ancient civilizations such as the greek and the mayan sun worshiping was very common right for example in india we chant the aditya hridayam it's a special prayer only dedicated to sun god because sun is seen as the provider of sustenance and life force and that's how the concept of the gayatri mantra came into being because we realized that uh, when we worship sun we are worshiping a life giving principle mm-hmm. and in this connection just a slight digression i recall that uh, in the 1980s i think 1981 when the satya institute of higher learning was founded 
Swami spoke to us as students and said that you have a greater responsibility now because this university bears my name and you must strive to do well so that mm. the university is well recognized. We were the first batch of students to graduate from the Sai University. And Swami made a mention of uh, the power of the Gayatri Mantra. He says, as students, when you study, you're so anxious, you're so stressed out at exam time. But when you go to write your exam, the ability to recall what you have studied at the right moment, the exact material that you need to reproduce and to express it well. That happens when you are plugged into the cosmic intelligence. Oh. And Gayatri provides the ramp to connect to the cosmic consciousness so hmm. that you can recall, recollect. And I have found, um, since I was not always very careful with my studies, I would, in my desperation, chant so much Gayatri that I would actually learn my lesson or, or the topic while I was answering. <laughs> in the moment, somehow something would click and all the days of lessons by my professors, during which time sometimes I would be daydreaming or distracted, which was not the right thing to do. It would all click and as I wrote, I understood what I was writing. I think such is the power of the Gayatri. Mm -hmm. And ancient Indians recognized it very early when they were in awe of the power of the sun. Right. Yeah, I used to wonder, especially when now if you say, that every human mind is capable of all the knowledge in the world. Mm -hmm. That's something which Swami would often say. I think that was something which was mocked at it by scientists for so long. You know, unless you learn it, you don't know it. Yeah. There's nothing like you can contact something and you know it comes from within. But something which Swami always said, I think that's one of the things which Swami had told uh, Professor Gokak when he asked, you know, Swami, how is it that you know of all these philosophers you're naming hmm. and all this? And Swami said, no, it's not like that. Every human mind has the ability to connect. But you know, today you look at the cell phone, you mm. know it, there is something called a SIM card which actually has a memory capacity of 128 KB mm. or something like that, 200 mm. KB or something. But the amount of data that it can access is actually right. unlimited. It's, it runs into thousands and thousands of TB. Exactly. And that's precisely what the human brain is like. It, it has the capacity to access any amount of knowledge. Only it has to be tuned to the right you know, signal or <laughs> the tower premium. In fact, uh, you know, after Swami spoke about the sun, then he went on to the numbers. Yes. And, um, you know, I couldn't help just going back and uh, reading a little bit about uh, Ramanujan, the mathematician, um, the star mathematician from India. Much of his mathematics was inspired. Not mm -hmm. much. I read all of it. He had no formal training as, as a mathematician. And most all of it was just inspiration. And he says, there's a beautiful uh, quote. He says, an equation for me has no meaning unless it expresses as a thought of God. Wow. <laughs> and um, his, his greatest um, discoveries in math, or uh, I don't know, call it invention or discovery of mathematics, happened via visions. So he was so devoted to uh, Namagiri Devi. So okay. so he would worship her and, you know, his visions, she would reveal aspects of herself which translated into his mathematical formulae. He would, uh, you know, kind of relate most of his equations and most of it to her aspects, to her manifestations and how different it is from the so-called objective scientific thinking. I mean, <laughs> they come to the same end. At the end, they come to the same, but how much more beautiful this is. Mm. Intuitive mathematics. Exactly. Mm. I think that mantra, Purna Madha, Purna Midham, kind of sums it up because it speaks of infinity and the parts of infinity 
and the infinity of each part and the exactly. perfection of each part that's, that's right. like cosmic math wasn't ramanuja the person who gave us the zero that's right <laughs> he is the one who gave the zero and many more things you know his uh, i believe um, his uh, theories and his concepts of mathematics are finding new relevance in string theory and other theories that are being discovered today mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go back to his um, theorems and say that yes they are being verified today exactly and you know uh, just going back to that sun example which swami was giving actually swami makes a very important point i think it's going to be followed up in probably in the same discourse or the other discourse swami says talks about that first tool to know okay what is called as pratyaksha pramanam mm-hmm. in uh, vedantic philosophy where direct perception yes so swami makes a point he says first of all man established the connection between food and sun right so sun became a direct uh, representation of divinity for him starts worshiping it and then when he started this exploration towards you know gaining knowledge he realized that first step which is called pratyaksha pramanam is completely based on light and that light is being given by sun and that is where the connection between sun and intelligence and sun and knowledge was established mm-hmm. and swami goes on to say just like how you need light to see which is the foremost in that pratyaksha pramanam uh, tool similarly for knowing it is that intelligence which comes you know as an illumination as you saying it's an inspiration sometimes it's so serendipitous that you have to believe that there is somebody else who's orchestrating the discovery or the invention right i'm just reminded of uh, sometime back I was reading of how infrared radiations were discovered mm-hmm. it's very interesting you know there's this german scientist i think is i've got his name here uh, frederick william herschel he was the person who actually uh, discovered the uranus okay he and his wife uh, are scientists themselves you know what they would do is they look up into the sky and they had this uh, technique they would have different filters of different colors and they would look at the planets and the uh, because some of them will not be visible when you just look through the telescope and when they were doing that they realized that some colors were cooling to the eye some colors were actually warm okay okay so then they realized that when you split white light into this spectrum mm-hmm. each color might have a different temperature oh. so he devised an experiment by which this light is put through the prism and each of those colors he measured the temperature mm. okay and then he starts measuring the temperature of each one and finally comes to red he realizes that's the hottest and accidentally he realizes that just beside red the thermometer becomes more hotter okay where there is nothing visible mm. so that's when he realizes that there is something which is beyond what can be seen also beyond the visible right range. and he calls it thermal rays initially okay. because it's hot rays mm. the beauty of this is you know the science talks of it as here is something which can be seen okay and there is something which can be known by a different way but the intelligence to connect both and say that there is something which is beyond what can be seen now if you read the life histories of many of the scientists there is tremendous hard work there is a lot of reasoning there is a lot of hard work and logical flow of ideas and trying to derive but that moment when they get it's always a click it's always given it's almost as if uh, the lord above or the force above is waiting okay now you're ready take this knowledge it's almost like that it's always given you know that form of knowledge is given at the right moment that's mm-hmm. how it li- seems and um, i'm not sure who it is probably paramahamsa yogananda who said it's not an accident that 
the entire uh, consciousness of uh, the Yogananda world writes i think about it, right? he writes about it uh, that uh, this is the 20th century is when we have such startling scientific uh, discoveries and inventions he says it's not an accident it's a deliberate uh, um, raising of consciousness mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's part of a big evolutionary process exactly. of the human intelligence and um, swami is mapping it and he says how it all started with observation and how it came to and then now i think the next section is where we go into the significance of god's names yeah because mm-hmm. the human beings wanted to define it and ha- define this relationship and give it a name no more than that i look at it uh, if there are the the crest of society like the sages the brahmins are, of those days they had the understanding and the knowledge to know that okay this is the sun this is the moon and these are different but they gave them an identity in the form of a god so that regular person you know a normal person a farmer a, a, a householder they could worship and get the benefit of um, gratitude you know you show gratitude to nature you you worship nature the moment there is a form attributed to sun then anybody can easily relate to it mm-hmm. i think that's how it went on and the sages were the scientists of those mm. days spiritual scientists spiritual scientists yeah. so they gave names they gave a form they gave attributes they gave i think the names were based on the attributes that they fathomed exactly exactly and going back to what i said about you know the the answering of the question how mm-hmm. i think at some point these rishis stopped and asked why okay you know why am i allowed to know hmm. because you know you can endlessly try to find out how how does this happen how does that happen you know how does the sun produce heat how does uh, the soil produce uh, the crops but at some point he said why is this happening you know mm. why am i allowed to explore nature why am i allowed to know things mm. i think that's when he realized that there is something which is uh, something like a super conscious being which is probably you know eager to be known right and i think that's where the whole thing starts and he you know this idea of there is this substratum which is which is holding all this thing together and can we get to know that it takes me back to that you know, legendary conversation between i think shweta ketu and uddalaka mm-hmm. you know have you learned that learning which you can you have learned all yes so at that time the father gives this example you know if you know the nature of pot i mean every shape and every uh, utility of what is made with that clay you know it mm-hmm. because you know the clay correct so it's almost like the you know the eagerness and the quest to know that and when swami spoke about that arithmetic i think that's where he said that 1 plus 1 plus 1 nowhere in the pursuit of this knowledge it was forgotten that that one was the basis right mm-hmm. and swami starts with that by saying that you know that is the basis and isha vasim idam jagat that's what the vedas declared and i think from there swami takes off swami speaks about the different names of uh, that entity which is you know mm-hmm. you can call it divinity you can call it god or whatever it is so shall we go into the clip the i think it's a good time clip. to do right. that dinini anati prajalu those people of those ancient days adityaha ani pilistu vacharu they call that power as adityaha adityaha anaga dwadasaadityulu oka adityudu atane vishnu poli adityaha means among the 12 adityas the 12th one that is vishnu anaga kevalam shankha chakra gada padmavatho koorinatundi di kaadu Vishnuhu, Vishnuhu does not refer to the form which way holds mace, conch and disc etc. It is omnipresent 
నింపినప్పుడు when you fill them with anninti endu kuda nu suryudu pratibhishtuntuntadu sun gets reflected in the water of all these vessels paatralu vere kaani vessels are different paatralu yokka viluvalu vere kaani their values are different kaani anninti endu samaranga pratibhishtunnadu suryudu but sun reflects uniformly in all these konni vela paatralu pettinappudikini vela suryuniga kanipistuntadu if you keep thousands of vessels you can see thousands of suns reflected in them kaani paatralu velaku untunnayi kaani suryulu velaku leru okkade aneyatundi satyanni artham chesukuntu vacharu man began realizing that the vessels are thousands but there is only one sun reflected in them ఈ పాత్రల యొక్క విలువలు రూపములు నామములు వేరువేరుగా ఉండవచ్చు ద నేమ్స్ ఫార్మ్స్ అండ్ వాల్యూస్ ఆఫ్ దిస్ వెసల్స్ మే బి డిఫరెంట్ దీనిని ఆధారం చేసుకొని దేహములని పాత్రలుగా విశ్వసించుకుంటూ వచ్చారు ఆన్ దిస్ బేసిస్ మ్యాన్ బిగన్ బిలీవింగ్ హిస్ బాడీ ఇస్ అ వెసల్ ఈ దేహము మృణ్మయమైనటువంటి దేహము దిస్ వెసల్ ఇస్ మేడ్ అప్ ఆఫ్ మట్ ఈ మృణ్మయమైనటువంటి పాత్రల ఎందు చిన్మయమైనటువంటి యొక్క దివ్యత్వం ఉన్నది అని సత్యాన్ని గుర్తించు వచ్చారు అని పేరు పెడుతూ వచ్చారు ఈ విధంగా ప్రప్రథమం నుంచి మానవుడు కొద్ది కొద్దిగా అభివృద్ధిగా అంచుకుంటూ కట్టకనప్పటికీ ఏకత్వాన్ని గుర్తించుకునేటువంటి యొక్క దివ్యత్వాన్ని సాపదించుకుంటూ వచ్చాడు మానవుడు ఇతనికి మరొక పేరు కూడా సృష్టించుకుంటూ వచ్చారు అన్నారు అనగా నిరుపమాధమైనటువంటి యొక్క ఐశ్వర్యం కలవాడు ఆరోగ్యము ఒక విధమైనటువంటి ధనమే విద్య ఒక ధనమే గుణం ఒక ధనమే తెలివి ఒక ధనమే సర్వము ధనముల కిందనే పోల్చుకుంటూ వచ్చారు health is wealth money is wealth wisdom also is wealth knowledge is wealth money is also wealth success itself is also wealth ivanni kudanu oka vidhamaina dhanamule 
All these are different forms of faith. Karukne sakalai shreya swarupun ishwaru anipun satyali tiger. He also believed that God is one who commands all these types of wealth. Sakalai shreya swarupun ishwaru. Ishwara is one who is having wealth of all types. Tarvata indulo unnetvote rasya nikutinchi shivaha anipilistu vachar. After realizing the inner meaning of this, he began calling God as Shiva. Shiva Araga Traikunya Rahitudu Vari Artham. Shiva means he transcends all the three qualities. Sattva Rajo Tamogunamuk Atitu Mani Tunti Vari. He transcends the qualities of Sattva, Rajas and Tamar. Unamuru Lena Tunti Vari Kanuka Itanu. Suddha Sattvudu Vani Kuda Pilchukuntu Vachar. As he does not have any one of these qualities, he has been described to have pure Sattva quality. Sivudu. That pure Sattva quality is Sivudu. That is also the principle of auspiciousness. Where there are no qualities, there is auspiciousness. Where there are qualities, there is inauspiciousness. Kanuka Sivaha Anaga Mangala Swarupudu. Sivaha therefore means the most auspicious one. Karakramina Inka Unatastaik Vedutu Ucharu Manavudu. Man began making further progress in his evolution. Sambaha Anugo Pirpitu Ucharu. The fourth name Sambaha was given. Sambaha. Sambaha is given. Anaga Sambhavamanti Yemiti. What do you mean by Sambhavam? Tani Ishta Prakaramu. According to his own. Ye Nimamunu Lekunda. Without any rules regulation. Whenever there is need. Yakada Avasaramo. Wherever there is need. Akadanta Yekalamu Avasaramo. At whatever time there is need. Apudamta Kuranu. Tanu Udhavinchi twenty Bhavam Kalavani Sambhavahanar. The one who descends and manifests himself like this is described as Sambhavaha. Anduvalli Bhagavad Gita Lokudanu Yada Yada His Dharmasya Glani Bhavatu Bharata Apyuddhana Madharmasya Tadatmanam Sujamiham Paritranaya Sadhunam Vinachayata Dushkutam Dharmasam Stapanataya Sambhavami Yuge Yuge Sambhavami God has been given the name Sambhavaha because he has the freedom to descend and manifest wherever and whenever in whatever form he chooses. Kanuka, ye Vithamka Kudanu, Bhagavantaniki, Anni Pirlu Yi Vidanga, Pokoka Antaratani Praskanskuni, Pirlu Pirtu Vachan. Thus God has been given different names depending upon his demands on the planet. Isha! Isha will have to <laughs> wait till the next clip. And uh, how many names did Swami give? There are four I think, right? Aditya, Ishwara, Siva. And he did mention Hiranyagarbha referring to. Yeah. Yeah, Aditya right. is same as Vishnu. So I guess as uh, the thought process evolved and there was progression, uh, humanity or the collective consciousness started giving names according to their understanding and one thing that is uh, very clear is that God was perceived as being omnipresent as being 
all powerful and the bestower and provider of many blessings right if you look at it you know uh, there's one thing which swami would often say i'm sorry i'm not i don't know if swami has said it but it's definitely mentioned in swami's presence that uh, a buffalo will pray to god as a cosmic buffalo mm-hmm. you know i think this is a, probably a trend where man looks at his limitations and believes that this divinity must be beyond this limitation and all the names if you look at it it's actually a, a an expression of that thought like for instance when swami says vishnu vishnu is omnipresence right you know when this realization comes that i can be only at one place at a given point in time you know that's a limitation so when you think of god as something bigger than me he must be omnipresent at all times you should be able to be everywhere you know that description of god is defined in this name which is given vishnu right mm-hmm. and then when you look at this uh, thing of swami saying ishwara who is actually inexhaustible mm-hmm. and again it is like you know when you go through life it's always like how much resources i have mm-hmm. you know how much can i provide so you're looking at god as somebody who is having inexhaustible resources who transcends your own limitations right so each each of those limitations and expression of god as somebody who transcends that limitation you describe god and you give him a name so vishnu for that omnipresence for the indestructible swami says the name of you know chinmayam swami says that which is uh, limited is mrinmayam that which is limitless is chinmayam so the indestructible nature of god is given a name and all uh, prosperity that is given the name ishwara and then you look at it as you know uh, when swami says shuddha sattva i think that's mm. another limitation which man would have uh, recognized in himself that is you know something which we saw in that 1990 discourse mm-hmm. freedom who is free right so swami says you know even when you're doing an act of charity you're doing it under the influence of this attribute of goodness yes you're not doing it out of your own free will mm-hmm. so probably man would have realized that you know whatever i'm doing when i'm angry i'm yes. bound by these uh, you know invisible gunas mm-hmm. so describes god as somebody who's beyond the gunas and you know gives him a name for that you know shuddha satvam or shiva as swami said who's beyond in the game comes to this uh, the last name sambhava i think that's again a limitation which we can see in all of us i have not chosen the family i was born in that's right i have not chosen you know probably given a choice i would have born probably in the 1950s and come to swami earlier <laughs> that's right that choice was not with us yes so again expressing that ability of god to be beyond that limitation and choice he says sambhava he is somebody who can appear anywhere anytime whenever he chooses right. so it's almost like you know describing god as somebody who is you know if i am x he is infinity x, x you know right. he is so much limitless beyond me now looking at this segment of the discourse um, another thought comes to me that uh, swami has spent time in describing the names of the lord he has not yet come to the forms right see possibly when the sages and when our ancients thought of the lord they gave them names they gave them names pertaining to certain attributes of which they are beyond so the names have that potency and um, i think in some of swami's discourses uh, <laughs> he asks which kind of sari was uh, mrs brahma wearing <laughs> she was, was she wearing a 6 yard sari or a 9 yard sari and which sari was mrs vishnu wearing <laughs> uh, which which sari was mrs shiva wearing He says this is all imagination 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 
this is all your raja ravi varma's mm-hmm. imagination you know that is so powerful here because one of the main criticisms of religious thought possibly is that we get diverted into the rituals and uh, the form aspect and worship of the form and the imi- imagery, imagery. Yeah. we go behind the imagery forgetting the source of that imagery what it stands for and here when swami is trying to bring about he is trying to connect us to the purpose why such a name was given to that aspect of god here you still see that these are all aspects of one god right you don't see them as vishnu separately you don't see it as shiva separately you don't see them as different forms of god we see them as attributes of that one god right and and i find that uh, sami's um, delivery of this lesson plan is so organic because he's trying to teach us as novices but he begins from this perspective of nirguna brahman we haven't gone to sagun really in mm-hmm. the sense that form hasn't come in and many other attributes he's just keeping it very pure very clean and clear that these are the attributes of god whether it's omniscience or bestower of abundance of health wealth prosperity intelligence talent or one who is all that and beyond so he's really building a case step by step because as we will progress we will realize he is all this but he's not bound by even these he's beyond all this and none of all these so it's a very confusing logic but some is building it in such a careful manner so that we can relate to it and we can relate to how people thought at that time and it's like plugging into their stream of consciousness to see how they tried to grapple with this issue of a force which was so much larger than themselves and it represented humanity's collective wishful thinking of what should be not realizing what later sami told us we are all also the same right. at that time they, we were bound by our limitations so this represents our wishful thinking of being somebody beyond these attributes of time and space and you know how i wish i could be right now transported to a beautiful island in the caribbean on a holiday now if sorry. i was sambhavami sorry you are not vishnu you <laughs> cannot be only present <laughs> thank you for that sad reminder cg but if i was the sambhavami god right away <laughs> no but uh, if you realize who you actually are possibly you could do it yes beam me scotty right no, there that's the beauty in fact uh, in one of the discourses swami says that's why vishnu represents the mind yes mm. because the moment you think of probably hawaii <laughs> you know uh, uh, destination your body might not be there but your mind, mind is, is there mind is there very much so, so the mind actually is a representation of vishnu because it has the ability to be at all places at all times whichever places it chooses to be at least and uh, i think uh, probably another reason why it was easy for them to see god i mean uh, attribute names but not attribute forms is you know the moment you start going out and say that oh sun is like a god water mm. is like a god mm. you're already starting with beyond the human form right i mean you're not starting with uh, somebody who should be like me with two limbs or you know let's give him the credit by giving him four limbs instead <laughs> of uh, two hands and that sort of a thing the ability to see beyond a form fixed form comes when you already have started looking at the sun and saying that you know probably sun is the god or probably the earth itself is the god probably right. uh, this air which i'm breathing is the god and uh, another thing which sami says you know uh, that simile which sami uses of the, the different pots which are made of different material reflect the same sun this again is a peek into the thought process but right. you know this is how the early man would have started exploring mm-hmm. and you know looked at 
a phenomenon such as this reflection and probably would have wondered is this the same with you know the life form inside me just like how the same uh, sun is being reflected in so many could it be possible that one is being reflected in the many yeah. and i think you can't take away the the importance of similes in understanding and learning that's true in fact when we talk of how the different names of gods have evolved from what they perceive in nature right. and what they study in nature you know many of the scientists even modern scientists who are atheists mm-hmm. i was reading about a quote uh, from uh, many years many centuries back by the byzantine church i believe from greek greek area they said the study of nature was the surest symptom of an unbelieving mind mm-hmm. so the atheists are quoting it as a closed approach that the spiritualists and the religious people did not allow people to explore freely you know so they say that the study of nature was the surest symptom of an unbelieving mind but how contrary it is to what <laughs> swami is saying right. and how open swami's point of view is and how uh, the indian school of thought possibly uh, is where we looked at nature and connected to god and this is so much in sync with that hierarchy which swami often says individual society nature and god mm. So um it is through your perception of nature and understanding of nature that you eventually go towards god and you know vedanta represents the culmination of all thought when it comes to looking for the ultimate reality but pantheism which is looking for god in nature was hmm. very much recognized in the indian culture that's why because we were in awe of the hidden fire between the twigs so we worshiped fire exactly. we were in awe of the wind which we could not see but feel and in awe of water which man could not create so we knew there were these elements which are big larger than us bigger than us and they were life sustaining and and the sun of course that's why we worship the elements that's right in fact uh, you know on a lighter note we got a, a recent whatsapp pro- forward mm-hmm. in which uh, there is the sun and the, the mother is saying come for food come for food and the sun says wait i have got to study up this charles darwin's theory of evolution mm-hmm. and the mother says see i have not studied charles darwin's theory of evolution but uh, the, this is a sequence of the 10 avatars then she says matsya avatar is a fish kurma avatar is a bo- amphibian. Uh, amphibian and then you get mammals and then you get mm-hmm. half man half animal narasimha avatar then you get a vamana who is a short a dwarf, uh, right. and uh, maybe it's another species of homo erectus or homo <laughs> sapiens i mean there is a beautiful correlation in your whatsapp message swami had mentioned this i think uh, when the boys were putting up a ramzan program swami okay. was having a session with him in the uh, bajanol yes and the time swami explained this entire thing how evolution is nothing but the dashavatars the dashavatars yeah. so the entire process that science is discovering today was well known to our ancients and they gave them names and attributes which is so much more lovable and so much more i mean and and without <laughs> discounting the need for reverence you know yeah. if you look at it mm. i mean i go into a class there's a teacher the mm-hmm. teacher is not giving me anything new mm-hmm. she's picking up from a textbook or you know from what is already there and she's giving that's right but still we see a need to have reverence towards the teacher correct i think it's the same thing you know when with this analogy which swami is giving the sun is being the first teacher right you know by this simple act of reflecting on so many water bodies mm. the sun is actually driving such an important lesson so immediately the sun becomes you know takes the role of a teacher and demands that reverence from man mm. i think that's why even uh, i mean even after probably understanding swami says in the beginning part of the discourse that eventually they understand that helium and hydrogen is causing the sun to give heat 
but still i think that reverence towards the sun never faded out mm. knowing the science behind that object did not take away the reverence for that object i think right. that is where probably you know you all the time grow but don't grow so much that hmm. you go beyond respect and reverence you know at the cost of a very big digression here there is this beautiful story mm-hmm. where krishna is actually leaving the village and he is going back to mathura and all the gopikas are not able to accept it mm-hmm. and they are pleading and then krishna is just decided to leave and then they finally go to radha and they say you are uh, our leader and if you tell krishna he will definitely not leave okay so then she just smiles and she says how can i tell krishna she says we are like the thousand pots of clay and he is like the sun oh beautiful <laughs> she actually says that she says we are thousand pots we are prakriti we are we are nowhere how can you say he is his reflection is seen in your pot is seen in my pot that does not mean he belongs only to us he is like the sun and his reflection is in all the pots <laughs> it's, it's exactly mm. what swami is saying here and so she was in sync with that truth so possibly that's why she is radha <laughs> absolutely i think that's that's probably the hint that all of this knowledge is accessible through devotion mm-hmm. in fact yeah, that's exactly. what krishna says in the gita you know he mm. says after giving all sankhya yoga and jnana yoga he finally says man comes to know me through devotion yeah <laughs> no? and, and even in this discourse as we will go along swami mentioned the need for humility and mm. devotion to access and to create that personal relationship with the god and to realize and and speaking of nature swami also said that uh, nature is the best teacher so when he said when nature is the best teacher he meant there were so many lessons we could learn from nature that also evokes us because that evokes a sense of reverence for nature because is so methodical is so systematic it's so disciplined it's so selfless and giving so it was only na- natural for early man to have that reverence for something another reason for them to have reverence for nature very true there's another clip but i don't think we'll have time for uh, another clip okay uh, to be played but then uh, just going back to this clip where sami is talking about uh, yada yada hi dharmasya i don't know the question which might rise is so if you want god to manifest <laughs> let's mess with dharma <laughs> but you know that's the beauty in uh, in i think the bhagavatvaini in the introduction to the bhagavatvaini swami says okay he says you know there are many reasons god comes but the first and foremost reason is to satisfy the yearning of devotees mm. you know the adharma part actually comes later mm. and very interestingly in another discourse which i came across where swami says it's a beautifully logically swami puts it he says see first of all god does not see the difference between good and bad mm-hmm. then how can he say that you are bad let me come and transform you mm. he says god can only see the good so whenever he comes it's only in response to goodness but never in response to the evil mm. probably i mean it's almost like an afterthought I mean, having come let me might as well <laughs> might as well <laughs> you know correct the wrong too mm. and you know this uh, progression of thought that swami spoke of and we discussed so far about uh, describing god as vishnu or hiranyagarbha or ishvara and shiva i think uh, the progression also 
was reflected in Swami's own life because he often told us that when I am amongst men, I am a man. When I am with lady, g- ladies, I am a lady. With, I'm, when I am with children, I am like a child. And we have so many instances how Swami related to the children of the primary school. So each one according to their own level of understanding and evolution, God becomes what you think God is. Right. He is a customized order at any point in time. And he's just a sum total of our aspirations and our imaginations about this phenomena, which is impossible to capture cohesively, completely at an individual level. Right. And going back to that quote, really, I mean, what we speak of in, I think, physics as of the, as the observer effect. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as there is an observer, mm-hmm. the observed is not absolute. Mm-hmm. Because when Swami says, you know, when I'm with, the, with men, I'm a man. When I'm with children, I'm mm-hmm. a child. He says, when I'm alone, I'm God. Yes. And many times it would, you know, occur to me, especially when you're sitting in for bhajans, Swami mm. would go inside for an interview. After the interview, Swami will send out those people who are there mm. and Swami will remain in the interview room for a few minutes all alone. Yes. Be, so that time, the temptation of, you know, if we now probably go and peep into the room, you can see Swami as God. But the moment you peep in, <laughs> the observer comes in and, you know, the observed is not absolute. Absolute anymore. And reminded, I think it was Sonam sir who shared that mm-hmm. very beautiful incident. Mm-hmm. I think when Swami had taken them to Delhi, mm-hmm. he was in his 12th standard. He was a very young boy and uh, they had this opportunity of sleeping on the corridor which was just outside Swami's door. Okay. So as a young boy, he was so excited about it mm-hmm. to be, you know, that thought that there's just a door and on the other side there's Swami sleeping. Correct. So he was sitting there and he was not getting sleep in that excitement. So after everybody had gone to sleep, he said, let me go and peep in wow. and see what Swami is doing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Through the keyhole. Through puzzle. the keyhole, yeah. And you know, this boy gets up and slowly crawls and peeps into the keyhole. And imagine it's dark even in Swami's room. Mm. Because Swami would do that, you know. Swami mm. would just leave the light of the bathroom on. Mm. Though he, he's awake, he would not mm. uh, switch on the light. So this boy, imagine, it's so dark outside, it's mm. dark inside. Mm. And he peeps in through the keyhole. The moment he peeps in, hmm. he hears a voice, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, he says, how do you catch Swami when he's alone? It's it's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Really amazing. You know, and this aspect of uh, uh, Shiva which Swami is saying, how he transcends the three gunas, uh, going back to that scientific discourse that we had, you know, right. in the 1990 series, how the combinations of the five Panchabhutas and uh, uh, in their manifestations of Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, how that's how the whole creation came about. Mm-hmm. It is almost impossible for us to disassociate and go beyond the three gunas. So, unless you are in that state of awareness where... Absolutism. You, where you, you live that experience. Mm-hmm. It's not only that you believe, but you actually live the experience of being beyond the three gunas. And that is what Swami says is Shiva. In fact, going back to that discourse, you know, Swami says uh, that initially all the five elements, Mm -hmm. I think it gives it a name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Before the uh, gross elements come, the subtle elements, elements. Swami gives a name for that. Mm -hmm. You know, Swami says the first, those five elements come actually as an expression of sattva. So, if you look at it, it is like, uh, you know, when you, if you really have to explain it, there is something which cannot be known in any way mm-hmm. because it doesn't have any, any attributes. You know, to know anything, like for instance, if you have to know any object, it should either have a form or it should be, you should be able to feel it like mm-hmm. wind or something or you should be able to smell it. So, it was almost like this, there is this absolute which cannot be known or felt or in any way. 
suddenly decides let me be known so the first process is gain attributes exactly the first process of manifestation right is to uh, come within the attributes uh, right so that's how swami says that the five uh, elements are actually an expression of sattva which you know first it becomes sound and first mm. then it becomes uh, that which can be uh, uh, right uh, all of that in here swami saying that the lord is shuddha sattva mm. which means when you remove even the attribute i mean later swami says how the sattvik itself is a combination of mm. all all of this put together right. in all that and when you say shuddha sattva i think it's very close to what uh, you know the the vedic uh, aphorism which says that pragnanam brahma yes. just that knowledge that knowing alone itself is mm. brahma because when you say sattva i think it, it relates to knowing mm. that which is you know which decided to be known so i think sattva actually represents that knowing and so i'm saying that shuddha sattva is god i think it's it's the same as pragnanam brahma yeah so here we are talking about the names and why they are so significant but um, as we discussed earlier even the forms of the lord like here swami is talking about vishnu and how it actually means all pervasive but everything that lord vishnu had in front of the the conch the chakra the maze the flower all of them are symbolic mm. like the conch is probably symbolic of the five elements shabda sparsha rupa rasa gandha and then the uh, of course the chakra is a wheel of time, time and how it controls all the six seasons with the six spokes and then you have um, the gada power so and uh, lotus is that uh, purity that um, urge for creation i mean that uh, these are different uh, explanations given to the different forms of the lord and um, you know in sharp contrast with this again going back to what scientists and science perceives richard feynman who is supposed to be a, uh, you know leading scientist in quantum mechanics and quantum science so he says the theory that it's all arranged as a stage for god to watch man struggle for good and evil seems inadequate <laughs> no because you know they are looking at our sun and our solar system as a speck in the entire universe and they are able to probe into uh, you know other universes and other galaxies so they suddenly realize isn't our world too small and aren't we talking too big of ourselves but the fact that this world is what is enabling you to perceive your life on this earth is what is giving you the power and the ability to look beyond is i think forgotten in this statement i think so too and i also feel that uh, uh, what we studied till now in today's discourse so simply just occurred to me that sami said that initially he was all by himself it was pure consciousness absolutism and he had this thought where he decided the manifestation happened so that's when the gunas came the mountains rose the rivers started to fly the trees the flora the fauna the birds and then he wanted somebody who was as intelligent enough to recognize this beauty and the power behind it and he created us he created humanity so in the process from absolutely no guna to creating an interplay of the three gunas or the three qualities which fell into this interplay and what came out of it is the entire creation and the drama that we live as the human experience it's all seems as we could easily say as swami's leela and uh, that's pretty much what he has taught us so far in terms of i mean there are so many layers of understanding it but to simplify it as a student i see it as that 
you know talking about uh, giving that form and and getting confused because of the form i think the whole thing is that you know when you say that vishnu has four Arms. limbs when you mm. talk about attributelessness and then oh, you yeah. talk about yes. a form it's almost like you know the way i would like to think of it is if somebody comes and asks you you know can you describe swami's perfume mm. like you know we've all uh, enjoyed that fragrance yeah. you know waft pastors when swami comes to darshan we've all experienced it now if i have to explain that fragrance to somebody who has never experienced it it's only through no, a simile yeah, or you know, through yeah probably i can think of four fragrances and say that you know all of this put together or i can you know describe it like you know that's a fragrance when it comes you remember this or you know, yeah. it gives you this feeling of exhilaration but all this can only be representative of that fragrance which we've experienced mm. but never can be complete but i think over time if this gets documented and says that this is what the fragrance no and everybody believes that this is the fragrance and starts trying to recreate the fragrance based on these references i think that's precisely what we've done with the forms of vishnu shiva and you know what was representative has become uh, something like a blocked and hard concretization of that yeah. particular entity and and that's the danger of symbolism sometimes symbolism is perceived as the reality right right and i think all said and done we've spoken so much about it wonder where we are in that understanding itself <laughs> that's true you know that's the beauty we can speak of all the absoluteness but end of the day we're going to think of swami and thanks swami for the opportunity and you know and even as we thank it's just that same form which was so beautiful it comes to our mind and i don't think we need to worry about that hmm. and it's a wonder if if not for this being swami's discourse i wonder if i would have read it that's mm. right and i think that is where we all you know uh, we owe all our gratitude to that devotion which swami inspired in all of us because the ability to even look at these deeper things is because mm-hmm. his words matter and right. to love him we have to look at his words yeah. and i think that's the idea behind this entire program so dear listeners thank you for being with us and of course thanks to didi for joining us on behalf of both of them i offer this effort at swami's lotus feet thank you for being with us saidam saidam Sairam you just heard an episode of a radio series Shravanam Mananam Nidhyasanam listen reflect and absorb this is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7:30 pm by Radio Sai's Sai Prakash and Prem only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony in today's episode which was first broadcast live on 25th February 2016 Radio Sai's Karuna Munchi participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian Culture and Spirituality 1991. Dear listeners, to listen to the next part of this program, tune in same time next week. Please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener at radiosci.org thank you and sairam from prashanthi nilayam <laughs>